Christchurch, New Malden, 16th of May 2021. Katie Lofman speaking on The Cost. What does it mean to take up our cross? Jesus told his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Those are familiar words to many of us and it's quite a challenge. But what did Jesus really mean? It comes at a turning point in Jesus' ministry. He's been speaking to great crowds and they love him. He's been telling stories that give a glimpse of God's kingdom and what it's like. Now, though, Jesus is focusing more on his disciples and he's starting to give them an idea of what's to come. His own suffering and his death in Jerusalem. And at the same time, he says something about them. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. What this sentence makes clear is that anyone who wants to follow Jesus can't just blend into the crowd, listening to the stories, enjoying the good times. Beyond that, they have to follow his lead right up to the point of total sacrifice in the form of their own cross. A big ask for any disciple. It's interesting here to look at Peter. A few verses earlier, Jesus asks him, who do people say I am? And more to the point, who do you say I am? Peter makes the inspired reply, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he can only say that because it was revealed to him by God himself. Jesus then gives Peter his name, Peter the Rock, instead of Simon, and he gives him the keys to God's kingdom. That's huge, a big responsibility, a big expression of trust. But then, only four verses later, Peter says he doesn't want Jesus to die which we might think is quite understandable. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Peter has gone from being given the keys of the kingdom to being called Satan. What's the big deal? Jesus says Peter is a stumbling block to him. And it seems that Peter has touched a nerve. He's voiced again one of the temptations that Satan came to Jesus with in the wilderness after his baptism. Satan tried to get Jesus to win the souls of the world, not through the sacrifice on the cross that would defeat evil, but by bowing down and worshipping Satan. What a tempting shortcut that would be. I wonder if Jesus' fierce reaction to Peter suggests that it was still a temptation for him. This makes us even more thankful to Jesus for what he did because it shows us what a sacrifice he made and willingly. There were alternatives and he could have abandoned us, but he didn't. He made a deliberate choice not to. There was nothing inevitable about Jesus' death. He didn't think of saving himself or lessening his suffering, even though he could have opted out at any point. 
but he deliberately chose day by day to go through with the whole thing. He chose the cross. And that's what he asks his followers to do too, to choose to put our own desires, our own life on the back burner, to stop trying to avoid inconvenience or preserve ourselves from discomfort, but to be totally committed to God's will, whatever it takes. Just as it was for Jesus, taking up our cross is a daily choice, a daily suffering in small things as well as the big things. I was in a bad mood yesterday. I got woken up before I was ready and I'm not a morning person. I have to wake up slowly but David is definitely more of an early bird and he was already up. Before I was reconciled to being awake David came in all chatty and it was too much. I snapped at him. That's the choice right there. We can choose to indulge our bad mood and snap at the people around us. Or we can choose to deny ourselves that satisfaction and be gracious instead. When we do that, we're choosing the way of the cross. But doing that is not easy because it's painful to kill those desires in ourselves. It's sacrifice and sacrifice entails suffering. But when we do, it changes us. We grow more like Jesus and it's easier to choose right the next time. Jesus taught his disciples in Matthew chapter 6 that the body is more than clothes and life is more than food. That means that when we focus on clothes and food, it's like treating the symptoms and not the cause. God cares about our spiritual life and our eternal life, and he uses our physical life to draw us closer to him. The attitude we have to the food and clothes that we need for our body is important. It can either draw us closer to God as his disciple, or be used by Satan to tempt us away from God, like he tried to do with Jesus in the wilderness. So the way we respond to our physical needs matters. When we say grace before meals, we're feeling hungry and we're looking forward to the food in front of us, and that reminds us of God's provision for us and our dependence on him for everything we have. So we say thank you to him. Our attitude to the food draws us closer to God and makes us love him more. But on the other hand, if we see some delicious food that we love, maybe we love it so much that it makes us greedy. Maybe we eat more than our fair share or more than is healthy. We put our desire for food above manners and generosity. We put it above respect for our bodies. We allow that physical desire to tempt us away from putting God first or doing what God wants for us. That's a sacrifice that in that moment we decide not to make. Obviously God does care about our physical life, that's how he made us, but not at the expense of our relationship with him, our eternal life of becoming the person he made us to be. When we follow Jesus, our relationship with God is our top priority too. 
So that means that everything else is valued in proportion to how it affects our relationship with God. Things that draw us away from him are worthless and meaningless. Things that draw us closer to God are precious. Things that happen to us in life change us, don't they? The point is, how are they changing us? Do they shape us to be more like Jesus, more like the person God made us to be? If so, they're valuable experiences. This is true even if it's a horrible experience that we'd never choose. God can use any suffering in our life to bring us closer to him. It's painful at the time because it's suffering and it's change. But looking back, those experiences become very precious to us. We see God redeeming that bad experience by bringing out of it something that could never have happened otherwise. In my own life, it's the times when I've felt the most helpless that I've been forced to rely most on God. When I don't know what to do or what God expects of me, the only thing I can pray is that God will glorify himself in that situation. And so often he does. I start to see blessings and to feel God's comfort and guidance and an incredible sense of his peace in spite of everything. I find myself drawn closer to God. I know many people say the same. The times when they've grown the closest to God have been during the most difficult times of their life. If we want to experience God as our healer or our comforter, we first have to experience pain. If we want to experience him as our provider, we have to be in need. And I'll be saying more about that in a couple of weeks' time. And to experience God as our redeemer, there has to be something lost. The pain and the need and the things that are lost are experiences that God allows and then uses to show us that there is something far better the renewed closeness with him is worth the sacrifices that came before. God can use our bad experiences and turn them into something for his glory. But more than that, when we become his disciples and take up our cross, we're saying that we're willing to make the sacrifices it will take to get to know God. We're willing to forego the thing that was lost so that our life can bring glory to God. When we find ourselves going through something that we wouldn't have chosen, it's hard. The temptation is to focus on the hardship and to pray for God to take our problems away. But that's not what we've been told to expect. God never promised to take our problems away. But he did promise to be with us through them. Rather than focusing on the problems, God wants us to come to him and to allow him to use our life and every part of our life to reveal his glory. And when he does that, we see it and other people see it and the suffering becomes less important. But what's the alternative? To take the easy way out? or to make it our top priority to avoid any kind of suffering or pain? 
Of course, the irony of this is that when we try our hardest to cling on to our own comfort, to avoid suffering, and try to gain security by our own efforts, that's when we're in most danger, because it's futile. I knew a man who was very dedicated to looking after his body. He followed all sorts of special diets and exercise routines. He took carefully calculated vitamin supplements, and he practiced meditation. He was the healthiest person I knew. But then, in his fifties, he had a debilitating stroke. Out of the blue, it was such a shock. He was in hospital for weeks, learning to walk and talk again. The sad thing was, he didn't want his friends to see him like that, so he wouldn't let anyone visit. And I can't help wondering if that was because he was acutely aware that all his efforts to preserve his health had come to nothing. I wonder if that man valued his health too highly, so to have it suddenly taken away was too much for him to handle. Jesus warns us that it's futile to try to save your own life. Only God can do that. Our time is better spent worrying about our relationship with God than when something happens, and perhaps we are called on, to sacrifice something as valuable as our health. We can then call on God to redeem the situation, and he can use it to shape us for good and to bring us closer to him. That sacrifice bears fruit in making us a deeper disciple. Being mentally prepared for that, or at least willing to offer that to God, is part of being a living sacrifice, a follower of Jesus, carrying our cross just like him. Before we finish, I'd just like to say something about Jonah. When God called him to go to Nineveh, he didn't want to go. He didn't want to make the sacrifice that he knew it would be. He was so determined not to follow God's will that he ran away on a ship going in the opposite direction. But ironically, this put him into a situation where he felt compelled to make an even greater sacrifice. In the middle of a terrible storm, he asked the sailors to throw him overboard. It was at that moment of sacrifice that everything changed. The storm died down. The sailors believed in God. And what happened to Jonah? God saved him from drowning by getting a big fish to swallow him up. God glorified himself through Jonah's sacrifice, not only by his power over the weather, but to the sailors who came to faith, and to us here, and millions of others inspired by his story for thousands of years. When Jesus asks his followers to deny themselves and take up their cross, this is what he's asking, that we be prepared to sacrifice our own desires, our own comfort, our own security, for the sake of doing what God wants, putting him first and bringing glory to him. That means no shortcuts trying to find an easy way out like the devil offered to Jesus in the wilderness. No abandoning the mission for the sake of our own convenience, like Jonah did more than once. 
no clinging on to self-preservation. What Jesus is asking for is our commitment to put him first and always, to be prepared each day to sacrifice whatever's necessary for the sake of a closer relationship with God as we become gradually more like Jesus. That's what Jesus said it really means to follow him. Becoming a disciple happens every day and it takes a lifetime.